Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. This morning, let's open up our Bibles to the book of John, in chapter 14. Let me just put in another plug. This is a one more sermon that has been inspired through our daily Bible reading program. And I want to encourage you, if you are not already part of that, that you can be a part of that together uh, with us in the um, in the Bible app by you version. Uh, and if you need some help getting connected with that, we can help you with that. But this was from our reading yesterday in the Bible reading plan. God was uh, helping me and speaking to me through this once again. John chapter 14, if you join us there. There's a lot of, there are a lot of uh, scriptures about love in the New Testament. The greatest things, uh, it is said, the faith, hope, and love will remain, but of all of these, the greatest is love. We have a whole chapter devoted to love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. Um, the problem with love is that it is a flexible word. We use it for too many things. It is a word that we can say, I love my wife. It is also a word that if I go to a restaurant and I eat some food that is really tasty, I can say, man, I love those chimichangas. And uh, so it is a word that can be used in differing levels of devotion. My love for chimichangas is not the same as the love that I have for my wife, or at least it shouldn't be, right? That there is brotherly love, the Philadelphia, that I can love my brother, but I certainly don't love my brother the same way that I love my wife or the way that I love Jesus. That we can have uh, an affiliation with people. And so uh, love is something that has to be defined. We have to understand that when the Bible says that we ought to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, that that is not the same love that you have for your sports team. It is all-encompassing. And so it was sung by uh, some great prophets, I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me. We're going to see that, what Jesus says about love in the book of John chapter 14. Maybe you heard a story about the woman who uh, came to the pastor and said, "Uh, Pastor, we have to get a divorce. My husband and I, we just, we just not feeling it. And we just wanted to make sure that you would approve. You know, I, I can identify with people who come to the pastor hoping, hoping that when they say there's no feeling left in their marriage, the pastor would just say, well, if you don't feel it, then the only thing left to do is to split up. But instead, the pastor began to challenge this woman and said, the Bible says you're supposed to love your husband. And submit to him, surrender to him. Similarly, he said to the husband that, you know, the Bible says you're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. 
And the man said, oh, I can't do that. Well, the pastor said, if you can't do that, then maybe we could go one step lower. Jesus said that you're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Could you even start there? He says, oh, no, 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 no. That's still uh, beyond my feeling. Well, then, uh, then the pastor said, well, Jesus said you're supposed to love your enemy. And the man said, well, maybe I can start there. What does it mean this morning to have, to have love for Jesus? Does it mean that we have some warm and fuzzy feelings toward him? Does it mean that we acknowledge the theological truth of his lordship? When you say, I love Jesus, does that mean simply that you believe in him? I'm glad you believe in him, but guess what? Even the demons believe. Does loving Jesus mean religious dedication to church practices and church events? What would you think if I said, I love my wife, but I never listen to the things that she says? I never pay attention to things that she likes. You would probably think that I'm a hypocrite. And in the scripture, we're going to find the definition of love according to Jesus. And I want you to follow carefully. We're going to read a few verses here in John chapter 14 beginning with verse 15, where he says, If you love me, obey my commandments. Verse 21, Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Verse 23, Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each one of them. And anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the father who sent me. The meaning of love, according to Jesus, is very simple. Obedience. That means doing what God asks you to do. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. I pray, God, that there would be a spirit of surrender and sacrifice in this service. We realize together that loving you is not just an outward recognition of who you are. But, Lord, it means in the secret place of our hearts that we're willing to do what you've called us to do. Not just willing, but, Lord, that we will complete the work of obedience. And I'm praying right now that you would speak to every heart, draw us closer to you, In Jesus' mighty name, God's people would say, amen. The love of Jesus simply means obedience. Now, we try to turn that and twist that into many other things. I love Jesus because I listen to Christian music, that I listen to the inspiring music on K-Love, that loving Jesus means, you know, uh, cleaning up my act and doing the best that I can and reading some Christian books. And yet so often we overlook this critical part of what loving God actually means. It means doing what he says. Jesus, again, in our scripture says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So this is a great measure this morning of our own lives. If you know what the commandments of God are, and most of you do, if you have read the scripture when it says, Uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. And then when we find ourselves living in sexual sin 
or giving in to sexual temptation, fornicators shall not inherit the kingdom of God, and yet we step into that, well, maybe the love that we have for the Lord is not as strong as we thought. When it says, thou shalt not steal, and yet we find ourselves trampling upon the tithe and the offering and keeping for ourselves what rightly belongs to the Lord. Or we find ourselves cheating on our taxes to get a little bit extra from Uncle Sam at the end of the year. Tax day's coming up, right? And there is a temptation. Well, who's looking over my shoulder? Guess what? God's looking over your shoulder. Thou shalt not steal. Does that mean anything to you? Loving Jesus means we obey his commandments. When Jesus said, even to look upon a woman with lust in your heart is like the sin of adultery. Well, that's old-fashioned. That's prude, prudeness. I can look at the menu, can't I? I don't care about what Jesus... That, you're saying with your life that you hate Jesus. That you don't care about his commandments. This is important, church. Jesus again says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Many people who have said that they love God have convinced themselves that they do simply by the words falling out of their face. I love me some Jesus. See, I put on some Christian music. I worshipped with uh, the Hillsong people and the Elevation Worship. And man, look at them. Praising the Lord. The problem, listen, I'm all for worship. I love worshiping God too. The problem is when the worship session is over, what happens when you leave that place? What happens on Monday morning? What happens on Monday night or Friday night or Saturday night? You can't say, oh, I'm just so in love with Jesus and I just can't wait to lift my hands in worship to him if there are things in your life which violate His commandments. Have you noticed that there are people who simply say they believe in God but never receive any blessings from Him? Have you seen people who attend church services but seem as if God's presence is not at work in their life? How do you explain this? How is it possible that two people can sit next to each other in church and one of them, both of them, can hear from God, lift their hands in worship, But when they go out from that place, one is experiencing God's blessing and fruitfulness and power over sin. The other seems to always be hung up and bound, cussing and uh, living unclean. Why, why, Why the difference? Because one has a spirit of obedience. Lord, I just want to please you. The other, I just want to please myself. The love of Jesus means obedience and here's the thing church nobody can force you to obey god i can't i wish i could sometimes i wish i could twist your arm and say you're gonna serve god i can't do that i i can i can crucify crucify my flesh i can uh, surrender my heart but i can't surrender your heart and it's so heartbreaking for someone to look at another person that they care about, that they love, that we want to see you get to heaven, and to see you disobeying God. That is heartbreaking. It is only a little, a, a little glimpse into the heart of God, what it must be like for him. 
to look down upon a people that he loves and cares about. And his love was obedient even unto the cross. We'll get to that in a minute. His love was willing to lay down on your behalf, lay down his life, and yet to watch people walk away purposefully and say, nah, I don't think that's so important. Love of Jesus means obeying him. Jesus gave us all that we need in order to live a life of obedience. It's called the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. He speaks about him in this chapter, verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Some translations, another helper. Say the word helper. That the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus to be your helper, your counselor, your guide forever. Verse 17, he is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Verse 26, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you. He will teach you. See, the thing about obedience is it has to be taught. If you're a parent, you understand that. When little Johnny puts his hand in the cookie jar, you say, no, don't do that, little Johnny. And he, guess what? He's not going to listen. He's going to try it again. And you have to say, no, and maybe with a little extra emphasis this time. And if he doesn't listen to those first two little no's, well, guess what? Those little no's become a little bit harder. That there are consequences that come along with the no. Because you are teaching your child how to obey your voice. This is actually a mark of, uh, of, of uh, effective parenting is that you shouldn't have to raise your voice with your kids. You shouldn't have to. You should be able to train a child to listen to, an o- 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 to a command without shouting, without the neck vein bulging, without losing your sanity, right? At some point, your child has to be able to hear your voice and understand, okay, they mean business. Without, because all you're doing is training them that, okay, they're not serious until the, until the face begins changing colors. Then I know. And so parenting is about training. It's about teaching. Where are the lines? Where are the boundaries that you can go this far, but no further? Kids need those boundaries. I'm saying that because this is why God has sent us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also sent to teach us, to train us, that we get, begin getting close to the edge, and you know that you hear that, hear that little still small voice. And he says, ah, 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 ah. That's an English word, by the way. Ah, 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 And the Holy Spirit begins, uh, be careful where you're walking. There's danger here. Don't cross that line. Now, sometimes, right, we make mistakes. Sometimes we fall in sin. There's grace for the times that we slip up. But how many know there's a big difference between falling into sin and jumping in? Woohoo! Here we go! The point of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I have to leave from you guys so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to come. He's going to teach you how to live right. He's going to live Inside of you, he's going to whisper to you when you're going to do something wrong. He's going to give you the way of escape. And by the way, when you resist temptation, when you do what's right, he's going to be the one that rewards you 
with the presence of God. Isn't it true? When you live right, you feel right. And when you're living wrong, something's a little off in there. You know, uh, <clears throat> I, I went to work the other day, and I drive uh, the company vehicle. And uh, I didn't know, but for the last two months, I've been driving on expired plates. And you know, the, the little uh, the month, it said February. Guess what? It's April. Well, nobody knew. I, I don't make it a practice of looking at the license plate every time I go in the car. Until somebody alerted me to the fact that my plates were expired. And you know what that caused in me? All of a sudden, I'm looking over my shoulder, making sure, la policia, donde esta, right? I, I'm making sure, I, I don't want to be pulled over, right? And so there's a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of fear. Now I'm driving down the road, oh no, my plates are expired. I don't want to get pulled, I'm breaking the law. And so there was a little bit of fear, I didn't even know. But when I was alerted, then I had a little fear, man. And so I went to my boss this week and I said, boss, hey, I didn't know, but the plates are expired. So he, he does, he goes on the website and he, he pays the bill and he prints out the thing and he gives it to me. And he says, and I said, oh, I feel so good. Now my, my guilty conscience has been subdued. Like now I have the paper, and even if I get pulled, I don't have to be looking over my shoulder. I don't have to be afraid of the police. Why? Because now I've got the paper. Look right here. It's okay. You can pull me over if you want to. It's going to be okay. You know, I'm not going to write the ticket. I got the, everything's been paid. Everything's been cleared. You know, there are people who come into the church and dressed well, saying amen, pastor, preach. But in their hearts, you know what they're doing? There is a sense of a guilty conscience because they know and only perhaps only, you know, of the disobedience that's in your own heart and what that produces. And so the Holy Spirit is given from Jesus. He is the gift that was given by God because of what Christ did on the cross. The, this Holy Spirit is given to us as a reminder, as a seal of approval that our sins have been washed away. In fact, when they were having an argument, the early church, and there was a group of Jews called the Judaizers. And they, their argument was that uh, if you want to follow Jesus and you are serious about serving the Lord, then you, you can't just be a Christian without also being a Jew. And so stands to reason then if you're going to be a Jew, that means you have to follow all the Jewish customs and the dietary laws, and you're going to have to get circumcised. And, you know, this is kind of a problem for uh, 40-year-old men who are getting saved in the church, Greek men who've never been around Jews. And so there was a contentious, there was, there was a, a strife in the church, and they were wondering, you know, how are we going to handle this? And so the council at Jerusalem in book, book of Acts, and they bring this before the apostles and the elders and say, what's the answer here? And as they begin to consider this, they noticed something. So, you know, all of these Gentile churches where the gospel is being preached, where people are getting saved, you know what's amazing about that? That those people are being filled with the same Holy Spirit as us Jews. That's pretty intense. That these people who never, never did a Passover, who never celebrated, you know, the, the uh, Yom Kippur, they never limited their diet according to Mosaic law. They were never circumcised, and yet they believe in Jesus. They come to the church. They lift their hands, and the same Holy Spirit 
is given to them also. And so based on that reasoning, the church council of Jerusalem, they said, well, if God says that it's okay for the Holy Spirit to be in those people, then we're not going to put any greater burden on them. What's the evidence? Holy Spirit, who gives us the strength to overcome the spirit of disobedience. That's the mark. It's the stamp. He's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. The Holy Spirit is not given to the world because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Jesus says here that the world has its set of ways, a set of beliefs, and the spirit of truth has a separate set of ways and set of beliefs. The way to tell if you love the Holy Spirit is when you're not like the world anymore. You don't love the things that the world loves. You don't hate the things that the world hates. You've got a new value structure. That comes from the Holy Spirit living in you. He is the counselor. He is the teacher. He is the comforter. He is the one who gives you the strength and the ability to obey God. We know, not perfectly. There are times that we slip up. There are times that we fall short. But it's the Holy Spirit who teaches us. This is the mark that we belong to Christ. He has given us his Holy Spirit. How did, he, how did Jesus tell us that we would know if the Holy Spirit lives in us? Later on, there's you know the tongues and the prophecies and, the, and uh, uh, the great miracles, but that's not what Jesus talks about here. He says the mark of the Holy Spirit who lives in you is obedience. I want to please my Father. That's where it begins. Everything else is an outgrowth of that. I want to do what my dad says is right. And that's the difference between um, the sheep and the pigs. On a farm, if you have a pig, you can bring him in the house, you can put him in the bathtub, you can wash him up, you can scrub him down, and you can take that pig and you can put makeup and lipstick and pearls and beautiful things, and you know what happens when you let go of that pig? Right back to the mud puddle. Because he don't want to be clean. He likes being dirty, doesn't he? That's why people, uh, that's why Muslim people and Jewish people, they don't, li- they don't like to eat that animal because it's a filthy animal. However, there's another animal. God says we're more like the sheep, right? And a sheep, if a sheep falls in the mud puddle, you know, the sheep has wool, so the mud gets caked in to the wool, and it becomes irritating to the skin, And the sheep, man, he's weak, and he can't get out of the mud puddle on his own. So he's dependent on somebody else to come and rescue him and help him out. And and when you take that sheep and you bring him in and you wash him off, and, you know, the sheep is grateful. Thank you so much that you washed me off. I don't want to ever get back in that mud. That was horrible. That's the difference between someone who has the spirit and who doesn't. When you fall into your sin, when you make a mistake, when you find yourself cussing, or when you find yourself uh, watching things on a screen that the Lord does not approve of, hello. There's something inside of you, not something, someone, that begins to say uh, a, a witness with God who says, that's not right. I want to please my Father. I want to be obedient. 
And this is the evidence. If you've ever questioned whether you're saved or not, and all of us have at some time, right? Am I really, really saved? This is the evidence. Do you want to be right with God? Do you want to be right with God? Because those who are not right with God don't want to be right with God. They are like the, the uh, Jesus said, they're like the, uh, they, they, those who live in darkness, they live in fear because once you turn the lights on, they are in fear that their deeds might be exposed. But those who are belonging to Christ have the witness of the Holy Spirit. And you know the, the result of that is peace. Jesus says in our scripture, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Can I tell you, this is the mark of the Holy Spirit living in you. When he is in you, he will give you peace. And that kind of peace uh, is not dependent on your circumstances. You might be going through hell right now. You might be going through the worst kind of persecution. You might be having a people blaming you and talking bad about you. And you might have all of hell uh, aiming its guns on you. But in the midst of that storm, the mark that you belong to him and that the Holy Spirit resides in you is a supernatural peace. Peace that passes understanding. It doesn't make sense. I don't know why I still have peace. But you know what? Somehow, it's going to be okay. When the Holy Spirit is present, there is no heart troubling. There is no worry. There is no fear. There is no doubt. There is peace. And that is also when we love God through our obedience, then there will be peace. Let's bring this to a close this morning. John 14, verse 23. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Our love for Jesus is translated as obedience to the word. And this is what causes the father, his love to increase. Now we know that the father loves everyone. How do we know that? John chapter three, the most famous verse in the Bible for God. So loved the world. Who's that? That's everybody. Does that include sinners? Does that include people who never had a thought in their brain about God? Does that include atheists? Does that include idolaters? Does that include transvestites? That includes everybody, right? For God so loved the world. How much did he love the world? That he gave his only begotten son. That is a lot. But I want to tell you that when we are saved, when we are right with God, when the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and that is proven through a life of obedience. Let me ask you, does that, does that bring us closer to God or further away? It's just like a father. You know, you can, have, you can have a child that obeys the letter of your word, but can do it for the wrong attitude, right? With the wrong heart, with the wrong intention. But then as a father, you have a child that not only do they obey the letter, but they want to be obedient, Oh, now that brings a relationship to a whole new level. And if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, even for people who never acknowledged him, what will happen in your relationship to the father if through empowered through the spirit of God to love Jesus through obedience? What does that do to the love that the father has for you? The father 
will pour out his love and mercy to an even greater degree. That's what's called blessing. Blessing. You want to be blessed by There's a lot of talk in the church about blessing. Oh, Lord, bless me. Sometimes it's the only thing, like Keith Green said. Oh, I just want to be blessed. Lord, bless me. Help me. Lord, bless me. Okay, you want to know how to be blessed? Obey his word. And the father will see an obedient son, an obedient daughter, say, man, I can't stop blessing him or her. How do we get God to love us? Well, the love of God is already there. we, we, We can only love him because he first loved us. But through obedience, that love can reach new heights and new depths. Our scripture in verse 30 says, I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. What do we see here? We see that Jesus is not just teaching his disciples. He's not just preaching, but he is doing. He said, you think this is easy? I'm not just telling you because... Ah, yeah, that's the right thing to do. No, Jesus did what he was preaching. You know why Jesus' life was so powerful on this earth? Because he was obedient to his Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was a man 100... If you want to know what your life has the potential to be, if you were 100% obedient to the Father, empowered by the Spirit, all you got to do is look at Jesus. Jesus said, greater things than these will you see. How is that possible? When you and I will be obedient to the Father, empowered by the Spirit. That means no power of hell. He said, the prince of the world is coming, but he has no hold on me. If you have problems with demons, there are people who have problems with demons. There are people who are oppressed by the demonic, who hear the lies of hell, who generational curses have come upon you. If you want to have victory over the enemy, how do you do that? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's obedience, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that Satan was going to mess with him, but he said, guess what? He has no power over me. The world has to learn that I love the Father and that I have to do exactly what he has commanded me. Jesus, we know that there was a struggle. In the garden, there was a struggle to obey. And that's okay to struggle. It's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to tell him that things are hard. He wants to hear that from you. He wants to to give you strength in the time that you're feeling weak. It's okay to struggle. He is not unfamiliar with your struggle. He knows what it's like to be tempted and tested. Jesus struggled, but ultimately he surrendered, didn't he? He surrendered. Jesus said that the the world has to learn because he loved the father that he would do exactly what his father commanded, even when it took him to his death. What about you? Is your love for the father big enough That when it means your certain end, that you will still love him by obeying. The world must learn that because we love Christ, we will be obedient to him. What does it look like? Your spouse, if you're married, must learn that I love God enough that I'm going to submit myself even unto you. Men, 
You're married. You have a wife. You have to communicate to your wife. I love God enough to submit to his word over me, which says I have to love you the way that Jesus loved the church. Is that easy? No, it's not. But because I love God enough, I'm going to love my wife the way Jesus loved the church. Women, if you're married, your husband, if you love God enough, it means you are willing to surrender yourself to him because because that is what it means to obey God in that situation. Obedience means submission, surrender, respect. Parents, our commitment to train up our children in the ways of the Lord. You know, that means you don't put TikTok in their hands. You don't let YouTube raise your child. Was that too close to home? That it is a parent's job. It's not the public school's job. It's not even the Sunday school teacher's job. It's your job as a parent to train your children in the ways of the Lord. And I love God so much that I'm willing to surrender myself to be obedient to this commandment. I will train up my child to know who Jesus is. That takes time and attention. And man, it's not easy. But loving God means being obedient. If you work a job, the Bible says that we're supposed to do all things as though we are doing them unto Christ. Yes? That means that your employer should know that you're the best person at your job, not because you love your job so much, but because you love Jesus. And because I love Jesus, I'm obedient to his commandment, which says I'm supposed to be the best worker at my job. I'm not supposed to have an an attitude when I show up because I love Jesus, because I need to be obedient to him. This is how we show our love for him, that when it comes to serving in the church, that I'm coming to church, not because, you know, I like the preaching, not because I like the facility, but because I love Jesus. And his word tells me that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, especially as the day approaches that I'm supposed to be there. I'm supposed to be accountable and I'm supposed to be part of a body. Hello. And I'm doing that not because it's a nice thing to be a part of, but because the Holy Spirit leads me to obey. If we love, we will be obedient. I close with this illustration. You know, there was a time in our country that there were no laws about child safety seats, right? Some of you can maybe remember those times. There used to be a time that the child safety seat existed, but there was no law requiring you to put your child in one of those seats. And so, tragically, many young children died because they were not safely belted in their cars. And so, as a result, people said, hey, there should be some, there probably be some laws to require parents to put their kids in safety seats. And in fact, if you have a baby at a hospital, when they bring the baby to you, they are going to inspect your car to make sure that the safety seat is harnessed properly before they give you the baby. Like, you're supposed to do this, right? Now, I just want you to think for a second. Is there any love in this world which is greater than a parent's love for their child, especially for a newborn baby? Like, there's no greater love than a, that a mother and a father can have for this tiny little bundle of joy. And yet, man, even though there was a time that p- parents loved their children back then, but there was no law requiring a safety seat. And so what I'm saying to you is that 
even though there might be love, sometimes devotion to the law is even more important. Many parents still needed a law or a boundary to ensure that the love for their children did not fall short of perfection. I'm saying that to you this morning because your feeling of love is not enough. Your feeling of devotion and, oh, I just, I just, you know, I want to do, I want to be with God. Well, guess what? Being with God means that there are some laws, there are some boundaries, there are some restrictions to aid us, to help us in loving him and in loving other people completely. Let me ask you, are you obedient this morning? You can be. The hope is that there's no person here that obedience is not possible for you. Isn't that good news? Every person here, obedience is possible for you, no matter how old or young, fat or skinny, tall or short. Every person here is potential, has potential to obey God. But it's going to require a simple spirit of surrender. Lord, I know I can't do it myself. I need your righteousness because mine's not good enough. I need your Holy Spirit to teach me and guide me how to obey you. And when you do that, oh, I'm telling you, the blessing you'll experience is beyond anything this world has to offer. Let's bow our heads this morning. We're going to close our eyes. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.